Welcome back to the Monica Matthews Show. Another day in paradise. <laughs> oh my goodness. Gotta love California. So the Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in a 7-4 ruling rejected a challenge to Hawaii's requirement that residents must pass an application to have weapons outside the home. And apparently in Hawaii you gotta show like an urgency or a need to carry a firearm. The applicant must have good character. And, quote, be engaged in the protection of life and property. Good character. Wow. Who gets to determine that? Like, what what, what exactly is the good character scale? <laughs> For me, on any given day of the cycle, <laughs> my character never changes. That's ultimately true. I'm joking. But, you know, we all have our moments, right? Character is something that will hopefully continue to go from glory to glory if I'm speaking in Christian speak, right? If I'm speaking in the word of God, it means that we go from glory to glory, which which ultimately means that we evolve. But sometimes people think they're evolving and they're actually devolving, as in the case with this, with the Ninth Circus Court of Appeals is how I have affectionately referred to it through the entire Obama administration and since. Speaking of abominations, so here they're trying to tell you that there's no constitutionality to you as an American citizen being able to or finding the need to or should be allowed to carry a firearm outside of your home, which is a complete bag of trash. Nowhere in the Constitution does it say how or when or why other than you have the right to bear Arms. Now, we all know that states and counties and cities and whatnot all have their own uh, constitutions. You've got your ordinances, you have policies, you have laws. Not policies, but you have laws in place, statutes, all of that in place to determine what your respective environment is going to require of you whenever it comes to a firearm. In the state of Georgia, we have been fighting for constitutional carry, and believe it or not, oh, Old gun-toting hillbilly Brian Brian Kemp himself, with his with his shotgun in his in his the backside of his truck, and all of his campaign crap, you know, even he was not going to support constitutional carry. Well, it's right there in the Constitution that you can carry, right? But in the state of Georgia, there's all these. It's all this bureaucracy. It's it's a cottage industry. It's nothing. It's not even red tape. It's an industry of taxation and ultimately to squelch you as an American citizen. It's to unarm you in every sense of the word, is to disarm you from your psyche down. I was on the Stu Peter show today. If you've never caught his show, you should. Stu is a fantastic journalist. I am not a journalist, and I marvel at the the integrity, the... Um, Gosh, I mean, I could stop right there. You know, just the integrity alone uh, of what of what an actual journalist goes through to ensure that the sources are correct, that the sources are legitimate, that they're bringing you information that that will hope that will hopefully at the breaking of a story to its completion will evolve into you know a fact finding mission as opposed to a sentence of guilt. That's journalism. As a commentator, I I apply my knowledge of the word and how to behave whenever it comes to falsely accusing someone maliciously, right? You see a lot of brouhaha going on in the news right now with regard to Sidney Powell and her um, ridiculous uh, Dominion case against her uh, in the way of defamation, I believe Lynn Wood is representing her. He's one of the attorneys. If she's not representing herself, I don't know. Um, but 
you know, all kinds of misquotes, mischaracterizations, otherwise known as mainstream media, you know, haggle scraggle lies because that's what they do. They misrepresent every single breath you take. And anyone not found to be on the side of their uh, of their paycheck. That's just how it is in this day and age. It's horrific. We, we should have done a lot more than just mock the media for the past four years. I mean, this has been a frog boil coming down since the Obama administration. This is something where lawfare should have been in place and citizens, private citizens, should have been taking to their courts to contend with malicious, false, disinformation campaigns to ultimately procure our demise. And that's where we are. Back to Georgia. So constitutional carry. It's right there in the Constitution that you have the right to bear arms. It does not specify whether that's from your refrigerator to your mailbox, you know, from your nightstand to your kitchen to Walmart to, no. And so with every you know, campaign to a false flag, if you will, uh, you know, to, to scare people to death, to, you know, especially the sheeple who really fundamentally are so reprobate in their ability to conceive of the wickedness that lies within the heart of man as a fallen nature, as a component to our fallen nature. They honestly believe, they honestly believe, listen to me, They honestly believe that if you get rid of guns, you'll get rid of gun violence. And I wish I was kidding, but I'm not. And you know I'm not. It is astounding, the level of simplicity. And, you know, some of you guys like to claim I'm a simple person. Well, the Bible tells you that there's not much virtue in being a simple-minded individual. Try that one on for size. Put that in your Twinkie and eat it. Yeah. And some of you are like, what? Yes, true that, true story. Right there in the Bible, right there in black and white, probably in red, I don't know, but it's in there. There's no virtue in being simple-minded. The world we see today in America, as, as we talked about on Stu's show today, if you have not picked up his show, you should, not just because I'm on it regularly, but because, again, he is a journalist, is a commentator, I, you know, I comment and some of you don't like my comments, but I've promised you no disinformation, and I have stuck with that. I never promised no misinformation. That's my that's my forever disclaimer because sometimes the information I get is inaccurate, and if it is, then I correct it. It's so easy. Like you don't have to sue me over it. You don't have to send me hate mail. You don't have to send little dog turds in the mail and tell me how awful I am. You don't have to put picture, you know, draw horns on my face and circulate that around the interwebs. None of that stuff is necessary at all. So you don't have to attack the lack of melanin I have in my skin or my blue eyes. I'm a blue eyed devil. You don't have to get into all that mess. You know, I'm not really out to get anyone. I'm not a malicious person, but I tell you what, if you are found to be oppressing people, deliberately deceiving people, lying on people, cheating the American people, scheming, being cunning, dividing the American people, you're damn right. I'm coming for you. You're just going to be on my radar. You just are. Because all those things are abominations to the Lord and our freedom. And it's unacceptable. So if it lands on my desk, depending upon my discernment of the situation and you've met that criteria where you are ultimately defrauding people, that is something I will separate myself from people like that in a heartbeat. Once it's discovered, uh, I will also, you know, alert my audience to people like that because you need to be aware. I am not a court system. I'm not calling you to, you know, uh, indict, prosecute, and, um, and execute a, a decision on their, on their guilt or not, and much less you know, executing a sentence upon their lives. But I'm giving you information so you can make informed, not simple-minded choices. Informed. On Stu's show today, he, was, he rattled off just a litany of 
things going bump in the night right now around this country. I, I can't even keep up with them all, and neither can you. I could start in Arizona with this poor mayor is now called a, a, a state of emergency in his county town. What I think he, I think he actually a city rather. He he falls under Maricopa, if I'm not mistaken, in Arizona county. And the the Biden sham is uh, I didn't say it. The Biden sham is dumping illegals off in in little buses, little short buses, just dropping them in the streets. Here you go. You know, like they're just wild animals that you just take out in the country. You country folk know what I'm talking about. That you just put in the back of a truck and just dump them off out in somebody else's property and hope for the hope they can make it. Bye, y'all. I mean, this is how these human beings are being treated. Humans. Humans. With children who have likely been raped, trafficked. I mean, it's beaten, brutalized. It's unbelievable. What I'm going to have Craig Sawyer on with me next week. I can't wait. And we're going to talk about, he was on Bannon's show today on War Room. We're going to talk about um, um, what happened down at the border whenever he was there. What he's seeing, he deals consistently with fighting the good fight against uh, human trafficking. And right now, the uptick is nuts. So I'm looking forward to having him on with me next week. And he can tell us all about what he's seeing there, what's happening, what's really going on, right? And why is that important? Because our first line of defense is prayer. And you can change the landscape of things with prayer in this earth. I'm going to tell you why. Because God gave us the jurisdiction over this earth. This atmosphere, this earth was given to us as as heirs of this earth, right? We're joint heirs with Christ in the spirit realm. And we have authority in Christ Jesus over things of the Spirit, too. For those of you who don't understand that, we can go into that more as we move along. But as it pertains to your, to your humanity, you don't even have to be a, a Bible-thumping, saved Jesus freak you, like me. You, you, I'm just kidding. You, uh, all you have to do is be born. <laughs> a living, breathing thing. Now, that's going to get really interesting, isn't it, whenever it comes to artificial intelligence? Because who's going to endow them with unalienable rights? Who gets to make that decision? That a, that a created, who, who's going to get to determine that the created is the one who gets to endow certain God, ah, yeah, capital G, capital O, capital D, given rights. Who's going to get to do that? These, This is where we're headed. So when you see people moving off the grid, I bet y'all aren't making fun of those off-the-grid folks as much as you were before, are you? Mm-mm. I started looking at that moons ago, but particularly whenever COVID hit and I realized how fragile our infrastructure was with regard to su- supply chains, and I thought to myself, why would I ever want to be dependent upon a supply chain for anything ever again? Why would I want to do that? Especially when we see how fragile it is. Our own election, election grid is down. It's down. It is bare ass naked. It's down completely. So and, and right now they're working overtime in Georgia and certain technology and people and we've got fiefdoms going on here and People trying to hoard, you know, their little ballots that they work to get released and others are, you know, they're trying to shun other. We got the deep state down. I mean, it is a cluster. It is a mess. Arizona seems to be moving forward. Got a very interesting call today from someone that I can't even tell you what it's about, but it's good. If in fact, remember my hashtag campaign, Providence process and procedure. Someone said to me, why would you even entertain that at this point? It's already certain things have already gone up through SCOTUS and they've been proven, they've been found wanting in the area of actual justice and protecting our constitution. And I said, well, just remember the people in the boat thought that they had already dropped their net the first time and barely got anything up out of the water. And Jesus looked at him and said, cast it again. Cast it again. 
cast your net again and cast it wide and cast it deep. And they did. And what did they pull up? Some stuff they had no idea was possible. Where am I going with all of this? On Stu Peter's show today, he asked me, how do I keep myself together? What's the prescription? How could I help his audience? And the way I help his audience is the way I help myself. Understanding my jurisdiction in the earth as a created human being is paramount to me being able to walk out my life with that level of sobriety, righteousness, peace, and joy. Having agency over my soul, which is my mind, my will, and my emotions. It is my responsibility to guard my heart because the Bible commands you to guard your heart for out of it, the issues of life flow. We got a lot of issues, folks. We got a lot of issues. A lot of issues that need tissues, as my late as my late pastor used to say. But we also had a section in our church called the earnest section. And if you wanted to get earnest about something, you came up to the front and they called upon you. You told a pastor what it was about and they discerned and determined whether or not it was something that needed to be brought before the entire body. I Some of you may think that's a little wackadoo and I hear you. It, did feel, it was a little weird at the time, but I got to tell you, there's nothing more liberating than just putting your stuff out there and, and having the body of Christ circle around you in prayer without judgment and literally love you through it. It just sucks the shame right out of the situation. Shame and guilt and all that craziness, right? And you just put legions of, of devils to flight. I mean, it's just there's nothing like the power of love. Nothing. Nothing. I'm not talking about romantic, you know, Netflix docuseries and all that. Bridgerton. I'm not talking about all of that misappropriated, you know, uh, music and innuendo and color schemes. And that was a great show, by the way. I'm just giving it a hard time. It took me a couple episodes to get past, you know, listening to, I don't know, uh, you know, rap um, played during a during a dance scene uh, during the, uh, 1800s. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know, interesting times, but very well, very well written. Actually. I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the series. Um, but there's something to be said for your personal agency in understanding the power that holds your mind, your will, and your emotions, your heart, your spirit. That's for you to take to guard your spirit. It's really hard to do that when your face is like shoved, smashed into the screen of your phone all day, or you're on Twitter, or you're on Facebook, which I'm finally completely off of. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Seriously, I'm not being facetious. I'm being so serious. Done. Do you in with that? with that platform. So with that spy agency is what it is with that mind altering neuro neuro linguistic programming brouhaha crap that your agencies of alphabet soup coupled with your adversaries internationally coupled with hundreds of billions of dollars, millions of dollars rather from Zuckerberg and his queen, you know, uh, -uh, those are the gods of this earth, but guess what? So are you. He made us a little lower than himself. Different translations will say different things. Go through the Psalms and read about whose jurisdiction is where. Now, knowing that, what is your jurisdiction? Start in your own mirror. What is your personal agency? To have rule over your own spirit so not all manner of beast comes in and out of it, right? to have rule over your own thoughts, your own feelings. We have the mind of Christ. That means that we're sober thinking. We're sober feeling. We're sober behaving. We have self-control. We have discipline. We are law-abiding citizens. We are freedom-centric. We are freedom-minded. We don't encroach upon others' individuality. We're not seeking to be homogenized. We don't start useless wars. That's not who we are. That's not who we were designed to be. We do not worship at the altar of avarice and covetousness and envy and jealousy. 
we are the greatest nation on earth, not because we have, we've made ourselves so wonderful, but because God has blessed us to be able to do so. And we've made some really crappy decisions as a nation along the way. And we're pretty young. So we got a long way to go, hopefully. So when I was on the show today, I said, you know, Jesus got away by himself and hung out with his father. More importantly, he did so to be ministered to. I want you to think about that for you strong gentlemen out there who are, I got it, I don't need help with nothing. I'm not going to ask anybody for help, and I don't need ministry. I'm not talking about psychobabble couch time. And if you do that, that's fine. I've done it too. I get it. It's not the end of the world. But I'm just saying, if you're not getting free, if you're not being set free by your couch time, and you've been sitting on that sucker where your butt imprint is in there and the little, you know, the, the feathers in the, in, the, in the cushion, you can see that your butt imprint is there. You need to move on and find some liberty. That's just my humble opinion, and I'm not a mental health care worker. I am a minister, and I have seen the liberation that comes with God Almighty himself through his word. He truly does set the captives free through his word. When you have an encounter with God through the mercy seat of Christ, nothing can stop it, and nothing compares. Nothing. So I can't deny the power of that. So for me to deny sharing that power with you makes me complicit with my enemy, my adversary, and oppression and his oppressive ways. And I'm not going to do that. Jesus was ministered to. The word himself, the angels came and ministered to him after kicking the enemy's tail with his own word. And remember, the enemy didn't come to him until... After he hadn't eaten for like 39 days. (laughs) Think about that. Like he hadn't eaten in forever, didn't have anything to drink. Like he's like, okay, I got this. I got that. We got this, Lord. We got this. Well, he was led by the spirit out to the desert. Waits till he's like starving and thirsty because that's what the enemy does. He waits till your heart is broken to position you with this grandiose idea that someone's actually got your back and they're going to help put you back together again. And Jesus is standing there going, don't do it, girl. It's going to be the same mess it was last time. Or, you know, secretly messaging for you guys watching stuff at 3 and 4 in the morning while your wife is asleep. And, you know, well, I just, you know, gosh, maybe that girl is the one I should have been with. Back in high school, maybe I should have married her. So we're just messaging on Facebook, no big deal. You know, my wife's gained a lot of weight. She's She doesn't really take care of herself anymore. I'm not that attractive. I can't ever do anything right, right? I mean, y'all know the drill. And then what happens? You, bam, suggested friend. <laughs> and here's my suggestion. Delete that chick. Like, delete that dude immediately. It's a trap. It is a tra- It is not God sending you a message of, oh, maybe you missed it. I want you to leave your current family be- and go back to high school. Does that sound even remotely plausible, Bob? And I'm just making that name up. Or Susie? Does that sound remotely plausible? Does that sound like God? Hey, I just want you to dump your whole family and go hook up with your you know, middle school sweetheart. Does that sound like God to you? But but it happens not when we're happy, not when sex is like in every room of the house, not when the kids are perfectly, you know, they're just doing wonderful, not when you're climbing that ladder and you can see the top and there's no ceiling and it's got your name on it, you know, in the corner office, not when everything's going well. No, no, not when President Trump's in office, not when promises being made or promises being kept. No, it comes for you. It comes for you in times like this. That's when his kingdom, the adversary of your soul, comes for you. It, you can count on it. You can nearly set your watch by it. And so you don't have to be a Bible scholar to understand the patterns of your adversary. My gosh, I have so many friends in the military, you know, who are former military. I mean, just especially my special ops friends, you know, and you just listen to how they strategize and how they're just, their eyes are open all the time. Their heads are on a swivel. And we're told as Christians to live that way. 
We're told that whenever we bend down to get a drink of water to take a rest, to be like Gideon's army, to bring the water up to our lips, not bend our face down in the water like a bunch of gluttons. Because our adversary is constantly prowling, looking for who he can devour. And we've been asleep, y'all. Sorry. This is not the Biden administration's fault where we are right now. I said it. The sham and admin, the paper straw man, whatever the heck is going on. It's not, that's not it. And I said that on today's show. We have to take responsibility individually for where we are right now as a nation. And as you can tell in my voice, I'm not here to beat the crap out of you about it. I'm having to take responsibility as well. And so I'm not out here making penance for anything, but I realize, like I said today on Stu's show, the nation has fallen. We have. And I'm not comparing us to Rome because we're not Rome. We're America. So quit saying stuff like that. Rome has fallen. No, people around the world wish we were Rome and that we would fall in the same way as Rome. But I'm here to tell you, if God himself was willing to spare Sodom and Gomorrah, for 10 righteous people, I don't believe for 10 seconds that out of the tens of millions of people who pray to the living God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob for his mercy, for his grace, and they repent, they have actually repented for wickedness, and they stand in the gap on behalf of people who don't even believe this stuff, for people who may not ever believe this stuff. I don't believe for two seconds that my father is that God who's going to turn his back on us or send every one of us into an abyss of hell as a nation. Now, he may allow us to go into some days of captivity to show us what we have to look forward to by not bringing him back into the landscape of every single area of this country. I'm talking politics, policy, education, infrastructure, technology, cyber, food supply chains, industries. God gets left out of nothing moving forward. Nothing. I started my segment with Stu by saying, I love what Virginia is doing. I love what Bishop Leon Benjamin is doing. I love it. They are starting with Virginians, you know, for America first, but they're starting with Virginia first. It's something that every state in this union should be adopting. You see what just happened in the Ninth Circuit. You also see where counties around the country right now are coalescing, and they are passing ordinances. They are partnering with their sheriffs. You guys need to engage in the lawfare immediately. Immediately. You need to be vetting attorneys who are constitutionally avowed and minded dedicated to, whatever, have an appreciation for. You need to be vetting attorneys right now in your respective counties, in your cities, your states, who can help you when they come for you, when they come for your guns. Every weapon you have is designed to assault. And nothing assaults more and does more damage then these two things, the, the, then this little space right here in between my lips. Nothing. This little ruddered thing right here does more damage on a daily basis for all of us. All of us and our mouths cause more damage than all the gun violence in the world. Think about that. Think about what we murmur about and what we mumble to ourselves daily. What we what we parrot to others, what we teach our children. What a beautiful time in history right now to be sitting down with your kids with all of the wickedness going on, getting out your Bible, putting down the phones and TikToks and cartoons and all that mess. Cause the friction. Get the friction started in the house. Give them something to compare and contrast. Give them the truth so when they see a lie, they recognize it. Right now, you're leaving your children naked. You're leaving them exposed spiritually, emotionally, mentally. And then what do we do? We make fun of them. 
We write op-eds about them. We take videos of them. We complain about them on Facebook. We mock our own blood. It's wrong. It's wrong, and it's sad. It's devastating. You have a generation of feeble, feeble, emotionally feeble children being raised. They have been tormented and tortured by this virus, this shamdemic. You've got babies having to wear two and three masks in their schools. They're afraid to hug their friends. They tell on each other. They're being programmed to see something, say something. Jimmy's not wearing his mask. I mean, it's, it is unfathomable. We have, we have parents who have had their children taken away from them. Literally, lawfare, I'm telling you. You need to lawyer up. You need to find people who you know you can call if your county or your city or your church, your individuals in your church, if they come for you. You need to be prepared for that. Don't be reactionary. Create an actual offense. Your greatest offense will be your greatest defense. It's an ounce of prevention. And what it does is it empowers you. It empowers your community. It, it's, it levels the playing field. It levels the scales. And that does something for your psyche. What it does is it readjusts to who you really are. You are lowercase g gods. And I'm going to leave you with this. Something that I've discovered with my spiritual counsel that I have, my advisory counsel. It's so funny because no one really knows who else is on it, except for Alveda and one other person, but they, they know they're on it. But no one really knows everyone who's on my advisory council because the word says that there's safety in the multitude of counsel. But I'm going to tell you what I do, and I shared this with Stu's audience today. I'll share it with you. I get quiet with my father. And I pray. And something that Bishop Leon brought to my attention was to not only pray, but to, to wait. To wait for the vision. To wait for the answer. Right? And so I'm just a yakety yakety yak. You know, plus I'm a chick, so we we never stop talking. So God's probably like, okay, here comes Monica again. It's going to be that fabulous one sided conversation called prayer. And uh, so you know, I'm I'm like, all right, I'm going to implement that. I'm going to I'm going to speak. I'm going to ask. I'm going to knock. I'm going to seek, and I'm going to trust that He's going to give me my answers, right? Because it's a two way conversation. It's prayer. When he walked in the garden with Adam in the cool of the day, it wasn't like Adam's just like, well, you know, those drafts, you know, I can't seem to keep them in the garden. And and then the Eve, you know, she's over here flitting around with the different trees and I can't keep up with her. And I mean, it, can you imagine what the walk in the garden with the Lord would sound like for most of us today? <laughs> oh, gosh. But that's not how it went before they ate, <laughs> before Adam before Adam worshipped Eve instead of God, followed her right on over that cliff and took all of uh, all of creation with him. Thanks. Yeah. So, but that's not how it went. Walking in the cool of the day. So I get quiet. I pray. I read. Oh man, I there's no one who can do an archaeological dig of the scriptures. Um, well, I'm sure there are people who can, but I love it. It literally makes my soul explode with joy. Because I find him everywhere. And it, and there it is such a honeycomb. It's like the word of my day. There's such a honeycomb in all of that where it's just this beautifully crafted, synergistic, harmonious, you know, um, just scavenger hunt that I'm on. And um the and, and just the pearls that he drops, you know, in every bit of that honeycomb for me to find and go, aha, that's harmonious with what this said over here. Okay, Lord, and then back here you said this. Okay, so now I get it. That makes sense. So by the time I get to my advisors, all they're doing is confirming. They're not acting as my as my Christian soothsayers or my, you know, my uh my crystal ball speakers. No. They're confirming. They're reaffirming. They're edifying. They're exhorting. They're instructing. Sometimes there's discipline involved, 
in terms of, you know, if I'm getting off the path, Alveda is not afraid to take the rod and the staff from the Lord and be like, okay, okay, time to get right back over here on the path, Monica. I'm like, I know, I know, I'm coming. So that's okay too. That's called discipleship, right? Disciple is a root of discipline. So with all of that, what I didn't realize until recently was that realizing who I am in the order of creation, um, not just as a woman, not as a mom or a widow or a friend or a daughter, right? Our media personality, none of that. But not what I do, not the offices that I fill, but who I am as a creative being of God's, the, the author and finisher of my faith, right? My father, my spiritual daddy. What does that look like? Well, if I've been made a little lower than my father and I've been made in his image and his likeness, it means that I do actually, even within the scope of providence where God is concerned, I do have an amount of free will to determine how I'm going to wield the authority and the jurisdiction of which he's given me in this earth. Because the earth belongs to the sons of men and that's you and that's me and even though we're passing through even though we are visitors here it is incumbent upon us as the offspring of the author of life and liberty and justice and equality to take care of this planet to take care of the inhabitants thereof to subdue those principalities and things in this earth that attempt to exalt themselves above the throne and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. How do we do that? We do that by knowing the word, by knowing who we are. Okay. Something that I realized just recently was the absolute value of, of me confessing and understanding that I've always been okay saying that Jesus is Lord He is my savior. But what I realized with realizing God by God's grace, having the revelation of who I am in the order of creation in this earth, according to him and his word, I was never comfortable saying that Jesus was my Lord. And you know why? Because he wasn't. And I'm really not wired for lying. Not even to myself. I wish I had gotten into the practice of not lying to myself around relationships at a much younger age, but I didn't. That's a whole other show. And some of you can relate because you just want to believe. You want to believe something is there that's not. Right? And that can lead to a whole host of hurt when we're just not honest with ourselves. It's right in front of us. So once I got honest about, you know what, Jesus? I recognize that you are the Lord. I I say that and I believe it. And you are my savior and you are the son of God and you were the son of man and you came here, holy God, holy, holy man. And you made it out of this thing down here for me and for all of creation without even as much as a wrinkle in your character, in your being, no sin taken into your body. You were tempted at every single point that man is tempted. Every single thing that we are tempted with as human beings, Jesus Christ lived through and said no. That's amazing. But the reason why I rejected his lordship, not that I wasn't still doing good works and, you know, I had a desire to do good. Right? I mean, just killing myself, just like on this forever hamster wheel. Some of y'all are like, oh my God, I can so relate. And I said, God, I did get a letter from a young lady who said, you know, could you please stop using the Lord's name in vain? When I go to emphasize things, I I guess I say God too much. And I apologize. It's never meant to offend you um, or to defile you at all. Um, But I, you already know I have a potty mouth, but I, but I, you're right. I need to, I need to get better about that. So I apologize. But how about gosh? Or my gall, G-A-W. 
Uh, my radio coach used to say, oh, my God, G-A-W-D. He would write that, and it would make me laugh because I knew what he meant. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> Thank you for obliging me. <laughs> um, but even knowing, you know, who I am in the Lord, and, and I, I made a commitment years ago to the Lord whenever I first came to the Lord, that I was going to give him my will. I was so excited about that. Oh my gosh, I was so excited. And I remember sitting across the table from this woman who just had this massive occultic thing on her. And she was known as an elder. See, this is where you can get tripped up sometimes with people who you would consider an elder in the church who are only chronologically so, right? They're no more on a stake than, you know, they need to be on a bottle of 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 skim milk rather than eating meat of the gospel, but they're older and they appear to be wiser, right? And I'm very Southern. So we've been raised, I've been raised to, to respect my elders. And so if you're older, you've automatically got respect, much less open your mouth about the Bible or something. And at that point in age, at that point in time, I was a very young Christian, a born again Christian. And, um, and my eyes had just opened to the scriptures and I busted out of my Orthodox Bible and was like all up in the King James Bible, just like, oh my gosh, the harmony of the Old Testament, the New Testament, the red letters. And Jesus said, what? And these people are nuts. And we've got hookers and prostitutes and, you know, just scandalous people. I'm like, yes, these are my kind of people. And God redeemed them and he still called them friends. And I get it. Bunch of drunkards. I mean, how are you going to like save the entirety of creation with eight people and 500,000 animals? on an ark that you spent 130 years building and totally made fun of, you know, just nuts and then end up an alcoholic. What? (laughs) I'm like, I get it. I get it, Noah. I got you, bro. I get it. (laughs) So, you know, man, made it all the way through that. You get out on the other side, you see dry land. You're like, somebody hand me a scotch with one rock. Mm -hmm. I understand. I feel ya. All right. So those are my peeps. And then I'm mosey on over to the New Testament. And I'm like, yep, I'm Greek. We're a bunch of superstitious people. You know, how about the Greek gods? You know, how about our own knowledge? We worship at the altar of knowledge. <laughs> you know, I mean, beauty, the pride of life. Yep, I can relate to every bit of that. And uh, stories of Paul, I got to tell you, Paul's like a hard one for me sometimes. I'm not going to lie because he's like, he's, he's a little scary. Uh, he just kind of scares me sometimes. But my favorite, oh. Favorite is John. Oh my goodness, John! John's where it's at. I understand why why he called him. He considered himself the beloved of Jesus, the one Jesus loved. And his writings are indicative of love. They're beautiful. They're beautiful. The word is so beautiful, you guys. It is just filled with poetry and just God's heart and His passion and His vengeance and ah i mean there's just nothing lukewarm he's just like you know my the viking of faith i mean he's just oh my goodness and went in there and just tore people's butts up you know like just get them all get rid of every bit of it don't spare nothing because it's just wickedness in there and i'm like i hear you i look around right now going i hear you lord but then jesus is like okay i came to save the entire world and to fulfill the law, not abolish it. Mercy and truth have kissed. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, who doesn't like kissing, right? It's just beautiful. Mercy and truth have kissed. It's awesome. Why is that important? Because the letter of the law kills. <laughs> and the spirit of the law sets you free. No one can keep the letter of the law. And if you're attempting to do that, you're going to die by the law. Because where you've offended one inch of that law, you've offended the whole thing. I didn't write it, but I believe it. So whenever it comes to mercy, and Jesus sits on the mercy seat. So for those of you who are like, well, you know, I mean, we there's a number of ways we get to God, Monica. As long as we all get there, what difference does it make? You know, I can take a right, you can take a left, and I can go through Buddha and still find the same God. And I'm like, okay, well, Buddha is not sitting on the mercy seat, baby. He's just not. That'd have to be a big old mercy seat, too, from what I can tell my little nail folks and that little dude down on the ground who 
he's always got fruit and, you know, little goodies and stuff, little incense burning, little pot-bellied Buddha. The mercy seat would have to be a little bit bigger for Buddha. But Jesus Christ sits on the mercy seat. And I'm not making fun of you Buddhists. I'm just being silly. But I'm not making fun of that. Relax. But what I am saying is that Buddha's not sitting on the mercy seat. So there. (laughs) Jesus is. And that's important. It's important because only something perfect, perfect, was good enough to be able to buy your soul back from death. That's what's at stake, America. That's what's at stake. Our souls, our souls for all of eternity, your mind, your will, your emotions. I recognized that I relinquished my belief that that God was asking me to lay my will down to yield my will to his, right? When I stumbled upon a, quote, elder of the faith, and she made fun of me when I said, well, I've given God my will. And she looked at me and said, you silly girl, you can't give God your will. He doesn't want your will. And I had forgotten all about that moment until just recently. I was doing, I was participating in some ministry work on my own soul with a dear sister of mine who I trust implicitly because I know she's a follower of the Holy Spirit and we minister with the word of God. And I know that it's not her setting me free. It's the word, the truth of God. And and my mind is renewed through the washing of the water of the word. So as my mind is renewed, my thoughts are renewed, my will becomes renewed, and my emotions become renewed. And by that, by virtue of all of that, my habits, my engagement, all becomes renewed. And realizing that I was not yielding my little L lordship of my life to the capital L Lord of Jesus Christ, who is Lord over all, realizing that was a game changer. Game on. Game changer. I hope this helps at least one of you out there tonight. It's easy to say, Jesus is Lord. But if I was being spiritually honest I had to get honest with the fact that he was not the Lord of my life and that the most powerful thing I could ever offer to this nation, to this world, to myself, my eternity, my family, my generations to come up the lineage and down the lineage and out to the sides of my lineage is for me to know who I am, the authority of which and by which I've been endowed by God himself, and so have you as a created being who lives in this earth in a flesh body with a spirit and a mind and will and emotions, nothing but dust. It is from dust we are created. It is to the dust we shall return. But everything we do in these vessels matter. Everything we say, everything we think, everything we feel All of it matters to our Father because we are his workmanship. And what does that mean? We are his poetry. We are his poem, just like his word. So it all matters. Everything about you matters. It matters to God. Don't let the world rob you of your time to seek and knock and ask. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Seek him early in the morning. You can't sleep at night. Get offline. Nothing on that thing is feeding you. Nothing. Get into your word. Start out with a scripture of the day. Get on your Bible app and whatever the scripture is for the day. Read that and then go digging. Get out your little sandbox and your bucket, you know, your your sand tools and your bucket. and Get out there in that ocean, man. God's wisdom and knowledge and word that he has for you is just like a deep, deep, beautiful ocean. 
it's raging with passion. It's calling to you. I mean, it's just, it's someday in most days, it's just calm. It's serene. It's warm. It's, it is monster free. Nothing's going to reach up from the bottom and grab you. And if you feel condemnation, when you're reading the word, you got to know there's something else sitting there with you. That is not the Holy spirit. I'm just telling you from experience, that is a lying spirit and you need to rebuke it in the name of Jesus and tell it to go. You have authority over that thing. Don't sit there in guilt and shame and condemnation. That's not what the word is for. It is for instruction. It is for encouragement, edification, exhortation. It is for correction. And there's a difference between correction and condemnation. So I want to implore you to run to God. These times are only going to get crazier. But you have the mind of Christ. And if you don't keep the mind of Christ, you're not going to show up and do what needs to be done to rebuild the waste place called America. I love you. I hope to be back with you tomorrow. I'll be traveling for the next few days. Going to see some great patriots across the country. I'm excited about that as always. Pray for me, my travels, my life, all of that good stuff. My liberty, yours. (laughs) Pray for Biden. Pray for uh, Kamala and everybody and... Pray that there is some process, procedure, and providence that is taking place right now. The book of Daniel talks all about it, and God is still on the throne. Don't you forget it. I love you guys. Be good to your neighbor, beginning your own mirror. And remember, if you're an American, act like one.